things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy coming at you, as I love to do at the very least every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Wherever you find your podcast, you can find No Mercy. Obviously, we're here in my studios thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the No Mercy podcast. It's been an interesting few days. It's been an interesting few days. And every now and then when you've got ups and downs and you got crazy stuff going on in your life and all of this other stuff, wondering how much time you got left to do what you do. Whether you're going to have the patience, the intestinal resolve, just the interest to continue to get up every day and do whatever it is that you're doing. You kind of think about certain things. You think about what true success really epitomizes. For some people, it's the greatest moments. It's moments that's greater than anybody could ever imagine. For others, like me, it's about longevity. It's about withstanding the test of time. There is an attribute that I feel is often overlooked. And I just told you what it is. It's longevity. Sure, you have a great game, a great month, even a great couple of seasons. But holding down a job, and consistently operating at a high level. That's the true test of greatness. They don't tell you that, ladies and gentlemen, but it's true. Take it from me. I don't want to say we all work hard because, damn it, that's a lie. Some of y'all lazy as hell. But there's a lot of people who do work hard. So when you spend your hard-earned dollars, you want to make sure people deliver the goods. I don't know about all of y'all. But in my mind, those who are consistent are the ones that impress me. Someone that no matter how long they've been doing, whatever it is they do, they never phone it in. They just don't stop. And I'm not going to lie. Call it bragging, call it whatever you want. That's what I believe I am. That's who I believe I am. I don't phone it in. I grind. I pound the pavement. I put my head down. I focus. And I'll be damned if I don't persevere. Because to me, that's what success is. And guess what? I see it in every profession. Sports, music, hell, maybe even your favorite restaurant. Anything can come up with anything. Knowing without question. When you know without question, it's going to be good. That's the kind of stuff I like. I go to a Lakers game. I know LeBron going to show up. Just like I used to know Kobe was going to show up, God rest his soul. Just like I knew MJ was going to show up. Derek Jeter, El Capitan, I knew he was going to show up. I mean, we go back to the days of Pete Rose, I knew he was going to show up. When I'm watching politics on Capitol Hill, 
I know what to expect from Wolf Blitzer. I know what to expect from Sean Hannity. I know what to expect from Chris Cuomo. I know what to expect from George Stephanopoulos. I know who the hell I want to see. And I know the people that are consistent. That enjoy a level of success. It's because of that consistency. That's how they captured longevity. You know what it means? It means you're trustworthy. Going back to my world, the world of sports, when I think of longevity, names that come to mind, Tom Brady, LeBron James, easily. Brady, 23 seasons. LeBron, 20 seasons. I'm pretty sure he'll play at least two more years, by the way. We all know that Brady had an incredible career. I mean, even Bill Belichick came on his podcast, Let's Go with Jim Gray, and called them the greatest ever. He competed at a high level all the way to the end. The world of entertainment, I can give you a laundry list of people. Is anybody more consistent than Tom Hanks? The man has had hits since 1988. From a league of their own to Forrest Gump to Saving Private Ryan to Captain Phillips, the man doesn't miss. You know how I feel about the greatest of all time in my mind. Denzel Washington, Training Day, Hurricane, of course, Malcolm X. Man on Fire was the joint. Equalizer 1, 2, and 3 is on the way. And let us not forget the one he won an Academy Award for. Not just Training Day, but Glory as a supporting actor. The key is that every time you buy a ticket, ladies and gentlemen, it ain't about his performance. It's about the fact that you can rely on it. That's what I've always been about. I get one of the things that I'm not going to lie to you gets on my last damn nerves is when people look at Stephen A. Smith and they say, you know, screaming A. He loud, he this, he that. I don't care about that. It's when they act like I just got here. I have a resume. It speaks for itself. Four internships coming from an HBCU that's Winston-Salem State University, starting off as an editorial assistant, doing school lunch menus and birth listings and, and, and all of that other stuff. Writing for free in my off time. Making $15,300 a year. Send my book, Straight Shooter. By the way, it's a New York Times bestseller. Ain't that something? Your brother started off with undiagnosed dyslexia, and I'm I'm, 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 I'm a a bestseller. Yeah, I'm bragging for a second. What's wrong with that? But it's a moment that I want you to remember because I'm trying to give you the history. High school writer for the New York Daily News. College. Then backup pros. Then pro writer then pro columnist, then general sports columnist in the newspaper industry, spanning 20 years. Been at ESPN after I went to CNNSI, then Fox Sports, now at ESPN since 2003 with the exception of a two-year hiatus from 2009 to 2011. In the midst of all of that, ladies and gentlemen, I was in the press boxes. I was in the locker rooms. I was breaking stories. I didn't rely on social media to tweet about something and call that breaking news. I went out and got the news. That's what I did.
What do I want you to know about me? Because I just spewed my resume. It's very, very simple. I withstood the test of time. That's why I love LL Cool J. That's why I love Snoop Dogg. That's why I love Jamie Foxx. That's why I love Denzel Washington. That's why I love Eddie Murphy. That's why I love these brothers. The Morgan Freemans of the world and others. The Mary J. Blige's of the world. The Queen Latifah's of the world. I love these sisters. Why? Because you saw them decades ago and you still seeing them now. They ain't finished. They ain't rest on laurels. They didn't sit up there and say, I did this. I'm finished. I'm done. You still breathing. Blood still circulating through your veins and your body. You got shit to accomplish. That's what this is about. That's how you capture longevity. By acting like you never had it at all. I used to say that about KG, Kevin Garnett, signed $126 million. Kobe signed for hundreds of millions of dollars. MJ signed for, for the dollars he signed and had endorsement deals out the wazoo. And they played like they were broke. They never stopped. That's what I pride myself in doing. And whatever little menial gifts I may be fortunate and blessed enough to have through the grace of God. I don't stop. And neither has my next guest. Yes, he is a man who takes his craft seriously and his track record in entertainment speaks for itself. Hell, he put it in his name. So stay right there. Stick around because you want to hear what this brother has to say on comedy, on politics, on social issues, on just being a successful man. And a successful person, by the way, primarily doing it by putting a smile on our face and making us laugh. My brother, the one and only Cedric, the entertainer. He's up next. Don't touch that dial. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline Until I flatline, I push it to the red line Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest, as far as I'm concerned, is a legend. I am so honored to have him on this episode of No Mercy. He sold out comedy clubs and arenas for more than 30 years. He's one of the original kings of comedy. He is also the executive producer and the star of the hit CBS sitcom, The Neighborhood. Oh, by the way, he's pretty damn hilarious with some of those, those Super Bowl commercials as well. I'm talking about the one, the only, Cedric, the entertainer. What's up, Big Tom? How are you, man? How's everything? Let's go, dog. Let's go, baby. What's it, it, it's good to see you, man. How's everything going, man? How's life treating you, bro? Oh, everything's well, man. We uh, it's such a blessing, man. We just uh, shot a hundred and a uh, hundredth episode of the neighborhood this mm. week, where I directed it as well. So wow, uh, everything's popping, man. You can't 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 complain, man. Life is good, man. I'm seeing a lot of these cats, man. Whether it, it, you know people are acting obviously, and then you see people trying to venture into that production lane, being a producer, and that's great too. But can you enlighten us when when y'all become a director? For folks who do not know, when you're directing as opposed to producing, right? What tell the difference? I'm not, I know you're doing both. You're doing all three, but but yeah. talk about the difference. 
But, I mean, the main difference is that you have to see the whole story. You know, the idea is that when you're an actor, you got your role, you got your character, you're kind of out there to deliver just this one message. When when you're a director, you're painting the whole picture. So you got to you gotta know the hues of the yellow that you're putting on the stage. So it's the little things about like how many cups are sitting on the table when when I, when somebody's supposed to grab a drink. You're like, oh, right. I missed that completely. Like, you right. know, so, and then, you know, what this character is actually saying. And so then how do you get, get that to flow together? One, to support the comedy. Uh, I mean, one, to support the story, two, to support the comedy. And then, of course, to support the actors that's actually got to deliver this. And is it something that's making them comfortable? Do they right. believe in what they're saying and so that we can transfer this message? So as a director, you're trying to capture all of that, as mm -hmm. well as the technical part of making right. sure you get the shots in the right place and all that kind of stuff and the lighting and somebody not sitting in a shadow and all these little things. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. You know, I'm I'm thinking about this, man, because doing Listen, I, I've known you for a few years now, obviously, and I always appreciate the love that you've given me. You've never failed to give me some love. And I thank you so much. I'm so grateful for it. I remember reading years ago that you were an insurance adjuster. Yeah, Is man. that true? Is that true? I mean, who who was that for? State Farm? Who was that for, man? State Farm, man, like a good neighbor, man. Like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering. I'm kind of wondering, said. I mean, if I went and I needed some insurance, and I'm looking at Cedric the Entertainer. Now, I, I, I mean, of course, that's what you were doing before you were doing all of this, and you became yeah. big time. But I'm wondering, like, oh my lord, you're walking for the Cedric, and, and you're like. An insurance adjuster. I'm listening to this brother give me advice on some insurance. What was that like? You know, I mean, it was one of those things. You come out of college, you know, in, in that generation we came up, that was the key. Our parents, my mother was a school teacher. She needed me to go to college, even though I knew I, I wanted to entertain, like, since I was in probably junior high school. You know what I'm saying? Because the shows like Fame was out and all that kind of stuff. So you started to believe, like, you can actually do something different. But... I got my degree, man, and I was working a corporate job. So, you know, I I did the corporate job thing. Wore the tie every day, went in. <laughs> you know, look, I said when I was working for State Farm, my thing was, was I, I I was bilingual. I spoke regular English and angry Negro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew how to deal with the black folks for them. They was mm -hmm. like, you know, black people come in mad. They scare everybody. I'm like, nah, he good. Let me holler at dog for a second for you. He cool. Man Man, what's your favorite State Farm commercial now? Because I look at somebody like CP3, Chris Paul, and I do it. I see him doing the speed walking, and I, I, every time I see it, I cry laughing because I'm like, uh, he, he he in some speed walking competition, and it looks absolutely hysterical, man. I'm like, when's Cedric gonna be in one of these? I know. We, when I did their big convention last year, when I uh, last summer they did a big convention celebrating. So I got to talk to some of the execs. Like, hey, man, we got to tie this relationship back up and uh, get back in there, man. So I, I love them. I love Chris Paul. I like the the Cliff Paul. I like when he come up with the mustache yep. and, and the whole alter ego dude. So that's dope. That's uh, so the, those those are all fun, man. And they they do a great job with their campaign. So I'm mm -hmm. actually been you know pitching a couple of ideas. Though. Okay them up so that we can get back in there and assure uh, up that relationship that's really authentic. Well, you should be. I mean, they should. you should be one of the first people. I mean, an employee that's now a superstar coming back and doing State Farm commercials, that's a gimme. I'm, as far as I'm concerned, they should have been had you doing stuff like that. But I, I, 
I, I, without question, that's right. I'll be your agent for that one. Damn it, give him a deal. Give him a deal, damn it. But but let me ask you this because I, I'm looking at you right now. I mean, obviously, the Kings of Comedy, when you was doing the Steve Harvey show, uh, that you know, you did a great job with that. Now you've got the neighborhood, you're executive producing that, directing episodes, and obviously starring on the show. As you reflect on what you've accomplished over the last 20 years or so, how do you view your career at this particular moment in time? Just looking at all that you have, you've accomplished, what do you, how do you feel about what you've accomplished? I don't, I don't know who says the, the phrase, but it's, it's, I, I, I love this thing. Longevity has its place. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what I, 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 I look at the kind of person that do a steady job for a long time at a high level. Like I'm a person that you can count on, you know, going to deliver the goods. You know, and I and I treat my, I treat my business like that. Like you know, if you buy a ticket to see me, don't you know you 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 know I'm not gonna be calling it in. I'm gonna come there to make sure you laughing, having a great time, bringing a great spirit to the room. And I try to do that on every project I do, movies, TV. And I think that just really led to the longevity of my career. So, you know, of course, you'd be wanting to reach the heights of, you know, all the accolades that's supposed to come with these businesses, the awards and all these things. But, you know, for the most part, I'm really I'm really pleased that I know I got a solid fan base. People rock with me. People that love me rock with me for real. And I trust in that. Mm. You know, when we talk about the neighborhood, it's, it's the show is comedy, but you've used that as an opportunity and a platform to tackle some real serious issues. Black Lives Matter, social injustice. You know, when you watch the neighborhood, you've tackled all of those things. And unfortunately, you know, uh, you know, just 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 a week or so ago, less than a week ago, it's actually more than a week ago because it happened January 7th. But the news was really percolating about what happened to this kid, Tyree Nichols um, in yeah. Memphis, Tennessee. Obviously, in the past, you had to speak out about what happened to Michael Brown right there in your hometown, St. Louis, at the hands of a police officer. And, and a lot of people, you know, uh, do, who know you know how conscientious you are, know how much you care, know how passionate you are about issues uh, that really are percolating in our community. When that stuff went down with Tyree Nichols, particularly at the hands of five black police officers, what were your thoughts? What were the kind of thoughts that ran through your mind? Can you express that? This is a unique connection. My my dad actually lives in Memphis, so I go there quite a bit. So, you know, and it's really unfortunate, man, that, you know, one, you see when you see it, you know, as this kind of these black officers dealing with, a, you know, another human being in that way, you just really you, you, you really feel sad for the whole state of affairs. Right. And I believe right. it's kind of it's led to this really, you know, kind of individual individual groupism that really kind of happened uh, even more so during, the, you know, the last administration where people just started to be more group oriented, man. Like so these guys, they didn't even really see themselves as police. They saw themselves as these friends that, mm-hmm. that belong together. And, and one thing I always say, too, and I, I think this should be really important that we try to push for is that, you know, of course, you know, people who do a crime to anybody should be should be examined. But I think a lot of these officers, you know, they need to drug test these guys. Those guys were acting hyped up. It was more than one. It was more than just their behavior toward the guy. They were hyped up on something. And you think about guys who do these kind of jobs. They're they're on a lot of these, you know. Uh, prescribed medications that people think are okay, but you know you get to you get to seeing these guys got got to do a job like that, go out every night, and not saying that that job is an easy job to do, but again, it leads to other illicit behavior that people can understand why they might do something 
irrational because they're not in their right mind at that time. And again, not to justify their action, but also to understand why that that's also a criminal charge, man. Because if you would do the same thing if, if somebody was on the weed, <laughs> that right. So right. again, these I just think that you know a lot of a lot of the examinations when they do these once they test these officers after they do a heinous crime like that or well, it, an act, it should be a mandatory that they get a drug test immediately. My attitude is this is three colors. We've got black issues. We've got white issues. Right. But there's a blue issue, you know, because to me, those officers, it was about men in blue. And, you know, yeah. somewhere along the way it, it you you thought it was, you know, and the thing that resonated with me said that that made me even more appalled is that they were blocking the body cams. Yeah. And screaming about this dude to put his Tyree Nichols, put your hands behind your back, whatever. But they had already had him restrained. And the satellite, the satellite camera or across the street, they didn't know what's watching them. They had him down to the ground. They kicked him in the face. They beat him with a baton. They punched him in the face after they stood him up. And he was already done and the whole bit. And I'm looking at five, five brothers that could do this. I was just so appalled. But I will ask you this question and then I'll move on. You know, years ago, a couple, a few years ago, when the whole George Floyd thing went down, we heard so much, particularly from the white community about we're listening. We want to hear you. We want to understand. And it wasn't just in the streets of America. It was in corporate America. And supposedly it was in Hollywood. Yeah. Since that George, George Floyd thing happened, do you feel that Hollywood has been listening, has been paying attention. Do you feel that Hollywood has really adapted to the the noise that obviously has been in their ear about what's been emanating from the out of the black community and they, they've sensitized themselves to it? Do you get that impression at all that things have improved in that regard? I don't think so. I think that still, you know, the idea of violent sales, you know, in, in all movies, TV shows, et cetera. So these kind of these these kind of behavioral issues will will raise the, their heads. I think the idea of supporting, uh, you know, artists who want to like say something that's a little more, um, you know, uh, kinder and, and civil to the world by their art. Uh, those shows or, or movie projects are harder to sell. Uh, these things are still the same. And so, yeah, there's the immediate reaction, the knee jerk reaction to it, like, you know, like the rest of corporate America. And then soon as it kind of dissipates, everybody goes back to their neutral corners and go where the money reside. So that's what I feel like Hollywood is definitely that still that same kind of energy. Uh, you know, it, it's been some movement. We still have, the you know, big issues in the world of top level execs with decision-making power uh, in our business. So, you know, you have a lot of powerful creative people that's really popped off in the last few years, you know, uh, be it Kenya and, and, and yeah. Ava and, and, and Lena, like these people that can write and, and write their stories and have the power to do that. But you still don't have somebody as unique as Tyler uh, Perry or, or Oprah, like people who had real power in their own circumstance and can really just pull the trigger and do it. So that these are those people are still outliers to our business. So that's the thing that I say uh, that hasn't changed much in, the, in this industry. Has that inspired you when you talk about being the executive producer and directing and acting in a show, a hit show like The Neighborhood? Is that the kind of thinking that goes into your mind when you think about these additional roles that you're taking on on top of the acting that you want to shape and formulate things in such a way and exude and exhibit that kind of power so you can make a difference? Is that your kind of thinking? 
Yeah, definitely, man. You know, that's why I tried it. You know, for me, I operate, you know, not necessarily on the on the forefront of things. I'm actually, you know, the person likes to get into meetings with the people, get their hands dirty, you know, play association type stuff. You know what right. I mean? Like, if you will, like it's the it's the it's the it's where you see they draw the lines It's where you you recognize like, oh, that's the policy that allows it to go that you would never be able to get to. So, I mean, those those are the point of view. So, you know, you know, I'm several guilds, you know, belonging to from the, from the producer guild, the director's guild, actor's guild, like a part of all these situations to make sure that I'm like up on the choices that are being made and then try to get in there and get my voice heard and, and the voice of our my peers. Is it important to you that when you're introduced, it's not just as Cedric the Entertainer, somebody that's entertaining us and making us laugh on camera. You want everybody to know what you're doing behind the camera, that you deem that to be something important that everybody knows about you. Because I don't hear people talking about that enough. You don't hear Cedric the Entertainer, the executive producer. The director. Yeah. You don't hear that nearly as much as, as, quite frankly, I know anytime I talk about you now, that's exactly what I'm going to say. That's exactly yeah. what I'm going to say about you. Is that important to you? You know, I think it is. The, you know, the, the more I get in life, you know, the more I've been doing it, the more you find these things, you know, important to what it is that, you know, the business has to deal with. Got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of young entertainers. I was dealing with this the other day. A lot of young entertainers who have now built brands based off who they are very uniquely from social media, right? These guys, they don't have to change their dialect. They don't have to change, you know, the way they, they, the way they kind of communicate to their audience yet they don't resonate to Hollywood. So the transition for them to become like these bigger stars is got it. He needs a voice in there that can say, look, we understand this person. You, you may not get his dialogue. You may not get his, his innuendo, his, his small little talk, but it's an opportunity for this person to have a voice in a bigger platform. And so these are the kind of things that I think will become very important because we're still asking people to assimilate to the circumstance as opposed to understand the world has grown and that this, this guy already got 20 million followers. He don't really need you, but we should, we should give him a bigger platform. So What's they, the What's been the biggest moment for you? Was it Kings of Comedy? Was it the Steve Harvey show uh, that was on television? What, what what was the shining moment for you where you felt like I've arrived and things are going to change forever for me? Man, <laughs> I mean, those those were all pretty gigantic, man. But I got to say, it goes very simple for me, Steve. It goes back to when I was in Jet Magazine, man. <laughs> I won I won the Jet Miller Genuine Comedy Competition right. in Chicago. And my picture got put in Jet Magazine. And I just knew from that point because that was the litmus for us, man, back then. If you if you were a part of black publications, black, you knew that that audience loved you and was with you. And that's it. And of course, now, the Bud Light commercials probably was one of those uh, kind of transferring things because it was on the Super Bowl. It won the Super Bowl that year. Uh, my audience grew bigger. You know, you recognize the appeal that you know, having people walk up to you in the airport is totally different than, you know, walking in the barbershop and everybody right. knows who you are. Like, so this is, that was that. But um, we can't argue with King, original Kings of Comedy, Barbershop One, all those things were pretty, uh, you know, uh, big and transferring me, you know, from one level to the next, next level. 
You know, uh, God rest his soul. Bernie Mac is no longer with us. I miss him dearly. That, that was one brilliant brother. Make no mistake about it. He was absolutely hilarious. I remember him from Def Comedy Jam and Apollo and all of that stuff. I loved it. Uh, but 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 D.L. Hughley's been doing this thing. Steve Harvey's obviously been doing this thing and you're doing your thing. When you reflect on the team that y'all had together for Kings of Comedy and what y'all were able to accomplish, you know, what do those brothers still mean to you to this day. Can you speak to that for a second? You're locked in, man. That's what it is. It's really like a, a brotherhood of guys who's in the trench hole together. I mean, at that time, uh, it was, you know, comedy was definitely growing. We had, uh, you know, really big brands. Def Comedy Jam was blowing up. Uh, you had, you know, Martin doing his own thing. You got, of course, Eddie Murphy, legend. Yeah. And then we, as a uh, as a group of guys, decided that, you know, that it was it was important. We went out as a, an arena tour together and showed this 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 brotherhood. And uh, we still locked in, you know. I mean, DL still, still bro, we going to go to, on tour together and starting yeah. in, in March. Uh can't get Harv out there. I mean, I talk to Harv all the time. Can't get him. He in Dubai. He's yeah. in Dubai. He spoke to me the other day from Dubai. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Get he on the phone. He's he living a different life right now, son. Yeah, He's he, living he, a different he, life. Different life. I, 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 I call Harv and be like, all right, man, I see your giraffe. You got your pet giraffe back there. <laughs> It's hilarious too. He ain't got no shame in his game. He's like, hey, no. things change, things change. You know, you know, yeah. I, 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 hilarious. Are you going on a family feud? Have you been on a family feud yet with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah man. We did the cele- we did the, the, the celebrity version of the family feud where we okay. brought the whole cast of the neighborhood on. They had yeah. a blast, you know, was able to play for my chararity. Uh yeah. that was great, man. And and of course, uh Steve and I, we often, you know, pick like golf trips together, just go just to get yeah. together and hang. So, you know, we 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 do that a couple of times out the year, man, and then talk pretty much on a regular basis. So uh that's that that's dog right there, man. So, yeah, yeah, that's my that's my dog, no doubt about it. I mean, I got breaking news for you. He about to have me on the family feud in a few months, bro. Oh, let's go, I've, man. I've, I've agreed to come on. I'm about to go hey, on see. national television and embarrass myself, said hey, I'm very nervous. That's what I'm telling you, man. That 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 game, you be thinking like, cause you sit at home <laughs> and you think you just play it, but when you there. I was daddy, boy. I was like, like you, you don't want to get it wrong. You don't want to get that wrong. You don't want to get, and you don't want to hear that sound. You don't want to hear that sound. You know what I'm saying? That countdown happening, man. But we exactly. did all right, man. We we actually did all right. But it, it is it is a little undaunted when you're right there, bro. No question. Before I let you go, man, I really appreciate you uh, uh, sitting down with me right now. What's next for you, man? I mean, you got the neighborhood, like I said, and you EPing and producing and directing and all this. What what's what's down the line for you? Because I imagine there's a whole bunch of stuff that's coming down the pike. It's Cedric the Entertainer we're talking about, man. Yeah, yeah, really uh, doing a lot of creative stuff right now. We're uh, creating um, uh, more shows, so I'm producing a lot of shows. Anthony An- Anthony Anderson and I, we got a. Um, a product that was coming out that we partnered with Walmart that'll be coming out later on this year. Some unique people will, will enjoy. Um, instead of just, just developing, man, uh, you know, you know, having a really great time right now, uh, creating with a lot of young, young talented people. So several TV shows, uh, a couple of movie projects, all these things are just uh, coming down the pipeline. Everything yeah, a lot of- for a lot of people don't know, you got your own production company, a bird and a bear production company. Yeah. That's the name of it, right? That's the yeah, name bird of it, right? And a bear, yeah, that's me and my partner. Been over uh, uh, Eric Ron. We've been partners over thirty years. Uh, we frat brothers, cap out of a side. By, by the way, I know you. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize how pretty I am. <laughs> 
<laughs> I got you. I got you. By the yeah. way, I can't, I'd be remiss in neglecting to bring this up. Um, who you got for the Super Bowl, man? I know you know a little oh. bit something about your football. You got the Eagles. You got the Chiefs. I mean, who you rolling with, man? Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, who? This is a hard one, you know, because I'm from Missouri. So, you know, I'm supposed to roll with the home state. But I got a feeling this mm. is the Eagles year right now. So I'm just going to have to lean toward that way. I love, I love Jalen Hurts. I'm a like, – like you, we got the same affinity for our teams, both Steelers and both road tied. So mm-hmm. I kind of rock with – I rock with – uh, Jalen from back when he was at Alabama felt like he got, you know, the bad shaft, even though Tua was dope when he came up. But I felt like Jalen didn't get his love there and then he left. And so I kind of just want to see him get his just due right now. That's all I'm on right now. Yes. So. I will say this to you. If he going to pull it off, he got the ball. Just running the football and throwing for 130 or 40 yards ain't going to cut it against Mahomes. No, against no, Mahomes, no. he going to have to put up some numbers in order to win this one, baby. I would talk about, I say Mahomes is one of them dudes that every time he do a play, you feel like you got to hear Steve Sable do his, uh, <laughs> do his voice over. Yeah, He's like exactly. one of those OG straight quarterbacks that play like he played with this true grit and grime of a, of a like an old school black and white legend. I'm like, right. that boy, no. So Man. it's good to see that that both of these men with this, you know, this African-American heritage yep. quarterbacks at the top level uh, be to, about to play this game, man. So that's dope. Love the Kelsey brothers, too. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So Trav and, 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 and they, they both dope. So, you know, that's going to be hard. So, But I, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with Philly on this one. I feel you on that. Listen, man, I'm so pre- I, I so appreciate you coming on the show, man. Got nothing but love for you. Appreciate the great work that you've been doing all of these years. Appreciate the great work that you're doing right now. I, 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 listen, are, are you going to do a Super Bowl commercial? Did they have you do a Super Bowl commercial this year? They should have. Yeah, we didn't do one this year. I did one last year. Me and Post Malone, we brought the, yeah. the, the stars back, but we didn't do hilarious. one this year, man. So that's dope. I, I gotta say too, man. I, I I got your book early, so you oh. know, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the you know, thanks for the sign when y'all sent to me. But you yeah. know, as soon as I saw you promoting it, you know, you my guy. So I went and got it. I love the way that you know you understand sports, tell stories, and anybody don't know Stephen A. He put it down in this, and it's not only about you know his life as a, a, a journalist, but uh, a real personal story about, you know, how one rises, man. And so I just really thought that was dope. You know, uh, I came up in a single parent household and, and for the most part you did. I mean, yeah. you, you understand from the way I, the book yeah, is. Right. And so, uh, you know, I think that that's really dope that, you know, the way you kind of express your, your tenacity and you go get it in this and, uh, and it's, you know, it's entertaining and it's dope. I actually got a book coming too, but it's not, it's not to the, uh, it's not to the fall. I did a novel, so I'm on some okay. Yeah. Hey, well, listen, when you come, when you go, listen, come back on and promote the book. We could no definitely doubt. do that. And by the way, I mean, listen, that's one of the things. If I ever write a book again, I actually want to write murder mysteries, man. I want to yeah, write murder yeah. mysteries. I really, yeah, really man. do. That's exactly because I did the I did like the kind of bio, biography book that I had, grown ass man, a book my yep. did my first book. But then this one, I wanted to do something different, and I had this idea about my grandfather. I told this dope story that's like uh, it, it's got a little murder, got a little crime. It's dope. It's, it's, that's it's, right. It's, Absolutely. Yeah. Let's said. Good. Appreciate you, man. Love you, man. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you for being all on the right, show. Out. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Thanks again to the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Cedric the Entertainer, executive producer and star of the hit sitcom, The Neighborhood.
uh, on CBS. The Neighborhood's a damn good show. I love it. I'm a fan. He's doing a great job. There's no doubt about it. And I got to tell you, um, as a friend of his, and along with numerous others have said in the past, very, very few people thought that he'd be this successful this long. When you looked at Kings of Comedy, for example, Cedric was funny. He really, really was. So was Steve Harvey as the host. Hilarious. D.L. Hughley was absolutely hilarious as well. But Bernie Mac was on another level in a lot of people's eyes. That's why he was the encore performance for those of us that saw it on, on film or television as opposed to in person. But here's the deal. Cedric the Entertainer, you got to look at him in the same breath as names that I brought up, the Jay-Z's, the Snoop Dogg's, the Dr. Dre's, the LL Cool J's. Uh, you know, the, the list goes on and on. Many have come, many have gone. But some have withstood the test of time and they've had a sustained level of excellence that when they speak, you have no choice but to listen. When we think about people being, you know, like LL in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, along with Jay-Z and various others, why do they bring that up? Because stuff like that happens for people who have a sustained level of success. In the microwave society that we live in today, Anybody, it almost seems like anybody could be successful for a moment. Fly by night, stuff like that. That ain't Cedric the Entertainer. When you heard him talk about Michael Brown getting killed by a police officer in St. Louis, Missouri, his hometown. You heard how eloquent he was. You heard how passionate he was. You heard what his concerns were about. You heard about him talking about the need for police officers to receive necessary training. Notice he didn't say anything about defunding the police, by the way. Because he knows what most sensible black folks know. Some trouble brews we call a 911. That's what we're doing. So let's understand that. Let's get that out the way. But I got to give Cedric props. You know, he was supposed to be Steve Harvey's sidekick. When they were on the Steve Harvey television show together. That ain't him now. Yeah, some people that looked at others. Remember, D.L. Hughley had his own show on ABC. Let's not forget that. And by the way, it was a hit. It wasn't like it was some sorry show. D.L. Hughley had a primetime television show on network television, which was ABC. I believe it was with Elise. Was it with Elise Neal? I think so. It was great. I love that show. I look at D.L. Hughley now, I can't wait to have him on this podcast because I got a lot of love and respect for that brother too. Steve Harvey's my brother, y'all know that. Any given moment, any given week or, or, or month or whatever, you can hear me on the Steve Harvey morning show because when he calls, I come. That's my brother. Make no mistake about it, that's my dog. But Cedric's a good dude. Very, very talented. Serious when he needs to be hilarious whenever he wants to be. And the world has taken notice. And let's not forget his wife on the show, Tashina Arnold. From Pam, from Martin. A fabulous actress who's also withstood the test of time. Her and Tisha Campbell. 
They've been great. I think Martin is one of the all-time greatest comedies ever. But Cedric the Entertainer is something special. So it was really, really nice to have him on this podcast. Really nice to hear him espouse his words of wisdom. Really nice to hear about him being a director, not just an executive producer and an actor while he's still a comedian. He's doing a lot of things and he's not limiting himself. And what he's encouraging everybody else along the way is to make sure you don't limit yourself either. And isn't that what we're looking for, those words of inspiration? I'd say so. I think so. And I appreciate him for it. Cedric the Entertainer, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for blessing No Mercy with your presence. It's time for us to sign off. I got to get on out of here. I'm here at Super Bowl week and all of that stuff. So, you know, I got things to do. But I just wanted everybody to know. Hear from my man. He's, he, you know, he talked about Kansas City, you know. Talk about Kansas City. He got to go with Missouri. You know, he's talking about those stuff. But he did say he got a feeling about those Eagles now. It's that kind of pick em Super Bowl. It's that kind of pick em Super Bowl. By the way, he knows it's football. Just in case you didn't notice. We also know our comedy well enough to know that he's big time, which is why it was great to have him here. That's it for, y'all, for, for this episode, y'all. I'm about to sign off. Remember, you don't have to know sports to know mercy. I always tell you that because it's necessary for you to know. Yeah, I talk entertainment too. And I love it. Cedric the Entertainer. Thank you so much, my brother. Till next time, y'all. Peace and love. Stephen A. Signing off. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.